This is Coast, and we're live on the air on our Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook channels. And we're here with an ultra for the first time. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's really um, fun to have artists from around the world. And you're in Austria, right? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, it's really that's what the amazing thing with technology today. I'm in like you know, I'm in New England, United States, talking to somebody in Austria, and that's really cool. Now, before we get into the full interview, and this is kind of like a music interview that we ours we have on the program, we do have a sponsor. The sponsor is Newsly.me. They're an iOS app that actually hosts a podcast. So this podcast is actually on Newsly as an audio podcast. And what this app does is it translates video into audio. So if you use coupon code GOES2021, you get one month free, free premium subscription so you can stop scrolling and start listening. And that's, um, you know, GOES2021, you get one month free premium subscription. And we're on there. So after this podcast is over, if you want to hear the audio version, you can listen to it there. So I'm going to actually put up your <clears throat> Instagram. We always encourage everybody to check out the artists that we talk to. And we also have a video of a song that we can actually put up. And before we get into the interview, we usually like to have people listen to the artists that we're gonna to talk to so they get a kind of context of, of what we're talking about. So we've actually got the video for our nights. And if you know, we're actually gonna go into that and then we'll talk to you on the back of it and go into the full interview. Is that cool? Yeah, of course. Okay, so I'm put you on mute and then we'll come back and then we'll talk about how you got into music and what you're doing right now and all those things. So here we go.
So that was an ultra and summer nights and we're back. And that, that's a really, I love this song. I think I love the feel of it. And it's, um, I think it's a good introduction to your sound. Though I know it's a one probably doesn't represent everything that you sound like, but you know, that, that is a more um, current um, music for me, right? Mm -hmm. that more, more current songs. So um, I know we tried to get you on the podcast for a long time and now we finally got you. <laughs> so I was like, oh yeah, we finally have her on. Um, so one of the things we always ask everybody that comes on um, at the beginning is like, when did you get into music and like what age did you get interested in it? So I kind of got pushed into music school when I was a kid, since I was five or six. And then <clears throat> I ended up dropping it around 10 because as a kid, you still don't really know what you want to do. And my primary focus back then was just doing kid stuff, you know, living a child normal child life and um, yeah. but then I kind of randomly just picked up music production for the first time in my life when I was in second year of high school and it was really bad but it's a learning experience you know your first 50 songs <laughs> are gonna be really bad um, yeah. and then I didn't start you know seriously taking music as something I want to actually do full-time or like commit myself more to until I was in the end of my first year of bachelor's, which was, I think that's now f five or six years ago. So maybe six years. And mm -hmm. for the first two years of that, obviously I was really, really not still not producing anything special. I was just learning, watching tutorials all the time, learning how to sound design and then I think I really kind of started re releasing maybe like less than two years ago. And mm -hmm. that's, yeah, two years ago. And yeah, not often. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's exactly. what I found you out there. <laughs> yeah, I think right around my second release probably that you found me. And I haven't released much because I was still in the phase where I can make kind of good music but it took a long time to get to that point and nowadays i finally feel like i'm pushing out more music ser like seriously making more music and finishing more music faster so yeah i think it's a process because i'm 54 right and i started i'm a child of the 70s and you know i had garage bands for real like in the garage mm -hmm. <laughs> and in the basement <laughs> and uh we were kind of channeling punk you know i mm -hmm. you know, I, I was like I'm a black kid, but like I like the Ramones, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I like I like the you know stuff at CBGB, like the Talking Heads and uh, Blondie and the mm -hmm. Clash. So mm -hmm. when I got together, we like we were kind of different because we we're like a, a black suburban punk band, and people were like, "Well, that's different. That's not what we expect." And um, and then I kind of got in a new wave because I saw Joy Division and I saw The Cure, and I'm like, because MTV came along, and I'm like, yeah. "Oh wow, yeah. I can get into keyboards." And that was like the electronic music back then. It's like new wave, you know, looking at Nick Rhodes and Duran Duran on a Jupiter eight. And they're like, wow, that's it. And so, yeah, I just got inspired by the people I saw or what I heard on the radio, what I saw on MTV. And then I wanted to do it. And I said, well, I'm going to go do it. And I just, cause I, you know, I just decided that it was, it was important to me and I, I started to do it. And, you know, by the age 54, now I'm doing, you know, way better than I did at 17. <laughs> Obviously. 
Yeah, either should you stick with it or don't. Um, so one of the things I always ask is like in terms of, um, so you found out you had this talent, you wanted to go right into music production. Um, did you have like like people that reference points that like your heroes or, or people that you listen to that kind of got you into the, the style of music you're into? Because we always like to ask people what who their influences are. I mean, I do have a lot of influences, but I would say, you know, the tipping point of me actually starting to take music seriously is something I love uh, was actually Dead Mouse, and he released like a remix competition mm -hmm. in March, like six or seven years ago. And when I saw that, yeah. I said to myself, "Okay, I'm That's gonna it. start learning how to make music." You know? <laughs> yeah. Like electronic because a lot music. Of I mean, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people don't realize, you know, how involved music is, you know, they get into mm -hmm. like the fashion of it, they get into like the look of it when you're on stage, but they don't know like what's happening in the lab, you know, what's happening like in your home studio. And, you know, when you're talking about sound design, I'm like, Ooh, I love, because I'm, I'm a synthesis, right? You see mm -hmm. all my, all my modes yep. and stuff behind me. And it's like, that's where I start. Like I always mm -hmm. start at the waveform doing my subtractive synthesis and building up pads and patches and whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I've always been really kind of the mad scientist in the lab. It's like, ooh, I can this and take that. Was that something that appealed to you about electronic music? The fact that you could you could start from like scratch or you could grab samples or you could do what you can do whatever you want. But it, you did mention like sound design. So I'm kind of intrigued by that. So, I mean, I definitely the most fascinating thing to me, even to this day, is that you can, for example, just take one sound and make anything you want out of it. You can take micro sections from that sound and turn it into something completely different. So, you know, yeah. as an exercise a while ago, maybe like four, three, four years ago, while I was still practicing how to actually make music, I took a kick sample and I tried to make a whole song by micro sampling that kick or editing oh, cool. it pitching it up uh, putting so many different effects until it sounded like something else basically yeah it's and i like, do love you know your synthesizers as well like just yeah, patching yeah. things up however i don't have a often i don't have an opportunity that often to play with your only mm -hmm. at like uh, the educational institution uh, where i went studios stuff like that yeah yeah, well, just the the benefit of being fifty four is over time. I've I've taken my day job and and bought all these like yeah. toys. I got my Moogs. I got all my Euro racks and all that stuff. But it took me like twenty years to get them. But um, yeah. So so, <laughs> but but the thing is, like like I really love the idea of electronic music, right? Like when, like if you go back to the history of it, like in New York City when the first Moog showed up, and you had mm -hmm. these musicians that had, had these synthesizers, they didn't have any keyboards. So it's kind of like at the beginning is where we are today again, is people had these electronic synthesizers and there was no keyboard. They just had CV yeah. and they were just using like LFOs and they were using random voltage and they were doing all this stuff to trigger beats, to trigger melodies. And then later they said, oh, let's put a keyboards on them and try to control them musically. But there was actually a lot of people that rebelled against that. They said, you know, this is a new type of music. We don't necessarily need the keyboard. And so people today even come at it that way there you got you know electronic musicians that will compose you know by doing everything but using the keyboard you know doing all kinds of techniques 
granulosynthesis, cutting and pasting, clipping, doing this, but not ever physically using a keyboard to drive it. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it's actually not uncommon because actually that's how it started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, so, so with, in your type of music that you do, I always, this is always a hard question. What, what genre would, would you label your music in? Cause a lot of people like don't want to get tied down to what genre they're in, but like, what would you say is your genre? Well, I would say the basis, like the, the, in, in practice, like, um, most of my inspiration um, lies or the melodies themselves and the way I design sounds lie uh, in trance. trance. However, mm-hmm. of course, like I, I do make even, you know, like techno, breakbeat, even ambiental, but somehow they always have a few signature sounds taken straight from trance, like the trance. leads, you know, mm-hmm. maybe even the bass line. Yeah, because I think, like, you know, I tried to, you know, get out of that game on the genre by saying I'm expansive sound. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so what, what that did is, like, when people try to pin me down, so what does that mean? Well, it means that one day I could do progressive rock. Next day I yeah. could do glitch this. I could trance. I could trap. I could do anything because I'm mm-hmm. not going to put the label. I'm going to be expansive. So what does that mean? It means, like, everything. <laughs> so um, so then you don't get pinned down and they try, you know, and they're like, well, what am I going to tell with tell the club is like tell them it's expensive (laughs) Um, but um so i think um one of the other things i like to ask is like your process so you've talked about sound design um are you primarily like a person that deals with like the daw you know does everything within a digital audio workstation or you like to go to the studio to finalize what you do or is the combination of whatever so so Definitely, I do everything from start to finish at home at my bedroom studio because mm-hmm. that is the situation I'm in right now, except, you know, a few times when I have access to a university studio. Um, however, I still kind of like feel the most comfortable home. I might not have the best equipment or the most equipment, but I I can literally, even if I just have the laptop, I can make something work. And that's the beauty of electronic music. That's why I like it so much because you can just sit on a laptop even and just, or even like yeah. an iPad and just create and, and edit yeah. patches and stuff. Like I, I do have like a lot, a, a few synths on my iPad, which is also fun and a great budget replacement for Eurorack, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's um like I've always like Jack White kind of told people like I can use a hundred dollar plastic guitar, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't really matter, right? I you know there's songs yeah. that have been written yeah. on Casios, right? There's songs mm-hmm. that exactly using a like a drum on a on a, on a cardboard box, you know? Cause you can do yeah. you can do like field recordings, put them into a sampler, and, and come up with all this stuff, right? You know, like I don't want to use licensed beats, so I'm just gonna go sample stuff. And then grab yes. things, yes. collide it. And, you know, you can do anything you want. And so you can, you know, that's where it's kind of egalitarian because, like, you don't have to have, like, the best equipment to sound great. Because one thing I always liked in my music is the punk aesthetic. If you mm-hmm. think about, like, a band like the Ramones or yeah. a band band like uh, the Do or the Replacements, they lo-fi was the thing. It's like they weren't trying to sound perfect. And it was about, like, the attitude. And the honesty of maybe allowing happy accents to stay in the mix, 
you know, mm -hmm. maybe not caring that you don't have, you don't have a $10,000 mic, you know, you don't have a $5,000 mic. You do, you do it because you, you're, if you have a punk type of attitude, it doesn't matter if you, if your mic's not that great. It's kind of like the heart of the, of what you're doing, right? It doesn't, it, so you don't have to have the best plugins in the world. It's kind of like what you write is more important, like what you put together. Exactly. Yeah. So and yeah. I, I'm a big proponent of that, of, of, of progress over perfectionism. Yeah, I always tell people like the happy accidents are what makes like a lot of classic music. Like yes. if you listen to the songs you love from the 70s and the 60s and you really listen, you'll hear mistakes. You'll hear editing mistakes, mm -hmm. timing mistakes, key change mistakes. But those mistakes are actually part of the beauty of the song. It's kind of like a, I always look at it as like a sound painting. And I think electronic yeah. musicians understand it because we layer, you know, we layer like a painter. Right? So you're layering all these things on top of each other. And it's kind of like, you know, sometimes there are things that are collisions. And maybe if you're trying to be perfect, you try to clean it all up. But I always tell people as a producer, like sometimes your second or third take is better than your 25th take. Yes. Because you are getting away from your original intention. You exactly. Know? And you got to be willing to live with it. <laughs> <laughs> Because sometimes that third, the third take is so much better than the twenty fifth. And even though you thought you you got better, a lot of times if you're a singer, you actually start deviating and correcting yeah. yourself and start saying, "Oh, I don't know if I really want to say that anymore," right? And so <laughs> the original intent is actually more honest of what you really felt. I completely agree. Goes, yeah, the same thing goes for if you're not not a singer, but if you're like putting down tracks. Like the original idea was probably closer to what was in your head, you know? Yeah, probably, always. And then it, it becomes something else. So it's like, to me, I'd rather go and write different songs. It's like put that down as a separate thing and then decide if I want to work on it rather than keep on trying to overdo it. <laughs> but uh, that's just a choice. But um, so, so one of the other things is like, are you actually performing now? Uh, out, out I do world. have some gigs here locally, and I did play a festival in Croatia recently. Um, oh. I'm not going to be playing again until the end of August because I'm I'm going on a family visit mm -hmm. until the 25th. But I have I have um, you know I have some arrangements from the 25th, something that's kind of like more long term, not just like a single gig. So. That's progress for me. And I'm trying to also expand into like another city here in Austria as well as Berlin, because Berlin yeah, is where like, all the techno music is, you know? So more like electronic music. Cause like mm -hmm. I always tell people, like they think about the history, um, you know, craft work and Brian Eno and yeah. all the work that Bowie Bowie did with Eno. And um, it's just the idea. Um, I've always wanted to play there as an electronic musician because I understand it. Like even if people understand Prince, Prince was influenced by Kraftwerk. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of his sound yeah. comes out of Kraftwerk. It's just it, it, he came at it from a funk direction, heard that progressive stuff, and, like, and he kind of put it into his sound. Um, and I think it's cool when you merge different cultures and different areas into one sound. And that's why I kind of loved about New Wave because New Wave could have a world beat. You could have a reggae beat. You could have a rock beat. It could. Have, it didn't have. It wasn't like stuck in a lane. You could. You could start yeah. the song anywhere. You could have a fully synthesized song, or you could have a lot of guitar. It, you know, and and a little bit of synth. 
it had like a lot of choices. Do you find today that when people try to put you in the trance lane and put you in, that they're trying to narrow your your ability to kind of, well, maybe I want to make a hybrid, you know? Do you feel like, or do you just go where you want to go and you don't you don't say, well, I just want to stay in the, in this lane? Well, I haven't felt like anybody's been putting me in any specific boxes, except specifically sometimes where when I'm playing because. You know, uh, the the festival I played in in Croatia, they put me on the trans stage uh, without mm -hmm. before before because they've listened to my music and to my private demos that I'm saving for labels, and they they just put me on the trans stage basically. But uh, most of the time, 99% of the time, nobody really says, "Oh, so you're a trans artist." They just say electronic artists. Yeah, you know? kind of, it keeps you in a wider lane because like the only problem I, I have when like somebody puts me like I'm not really EDM at all. I'm like, like a yeah, progressive, yeah. progressive rock. I mean, like yes, and mm -hmm. Genesis are more in funkadelic or where I am. So if somebody puts mm -hmm. me on an EDM stage, the audience is going to be like, "That's not mm -hmm. EDM." <laughs> so so it's like yeah. So so um, it's kind of better if you get in a wider you know pa palette, you know, because then you have more room to move. Um, but yeah, I think that's the only thing today. Cause you get like A and R people and marketing people and they want to pin you down. And they want a you very specific sound labels yeah, mostly yeah. like for shows and privately people don't put me into yeah. boxes, but labels even rejected like trans labels and progressive labels rejected my trans and progressive demos. They were like, oh yeah, this is not really our style. They're looking for exactly one type of cookie cutter sound, each label, their specific yeah. cookie cutter sound. And it's right. so impossible yeah. to, to, to get this specific, like I, I cannot pin my, I, I cannot force myself. Inspiration think, comes as it comes, think, you know, comes, you know, I think they're being a little narrow-minded because the whole thing about music, going even back to Hendrix, right? Hendrix didn't sound like anybody else, right? So when they got yeah. him in the studio, yeah. they started telling him, oh, you got to tone that feedback down. Oh, you can't do these harmonics. You can't do this. You can't do that. And then he eventually ended up having to get like, engineers that let him go on the board and control it mm -hmm. because he was beyond where everybody was, right? And so everybody was trying to put him in the box and tone him down. And he, he refused to do it because I think when you know what you want as a musician, you have to kind of push for your sound because there's lots of people who try to make you clone other people. Yeah, and they're trying to, to replicate um, marketing success from one singular artist in each label that yeah. each label has as the most successful artist. And they, they are just looking for clones of that same artist because they think it's going to maximize their profit. But in the end, what they end up with is a crowd that obviously knows this is just a clone and feels it and it's not it doesn't feel personal anymore and these artists get signed but they never progress above the signing stage yeah. because they get st stuck there they're by the stuck. like they, they get put there by yeah. the label and they're stuck you know yeah it's what happens well if you think about like disco disco got to a point where there was a formula and then a lot of stuff started sounding the same and then they got mm -hmm. burned out Right. And then yeah. you get every time we get a genre and then you go look at these people. It's like I get songwriting pitches because, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a registered songwriter. And then they mm -hmm. actually say mirror Drake, mirror this. Mm -hmm. And they'll tell me they want me to mirror something. I don't like that. Right. So I, I always go with the people that take 
what I want, what I'm doing and throw it into an ad or throw it into a 30 second thing in a movie because it's me. It's my, it's my stuff. Like I, I just stick to my guns and I say, I'm going to do it my way and people will come to me. Right. And I think that the thing is that these guys don't understand that they can destroy a whole scene. If everything in the scene sounds the same, because they take all the energy out of you. Like I said, like the kids are going to get like, that's not cool. It's not fun anymore. You know, because he wants you, you do want to hear something different. Yeah, uh, me, and they just me too, scared yeah. of the difference. And they're so scared of the difference. It's like, but that's the whole point. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but um, so they, they see somebody in, in in your point in your career that realizes that that's not the way to go because they they might think it's the way to go, but you you're on the right track. In my opinion, but um, I mean, I'm trying. I'm gonna try and go solo and, like, I mean, you know, independent. independent but yeah. right now, I'm just saving up money to be able to to cover all the marketing, you know. And yeah, that's yeah. why I haven't released anything. I do have a lot of demos in the back burner, but I'm either saving them for when I get accepted into a label or for. Um, when I have enough money to pay for monthly marketing expenses, you know? Yeah, you have to. Well, a lot of people have decided, though, you get big bands, I mean, different genres, but like a band like Pearl Jam went independent. A band mm-hmm. like Radiohead went independent. You know, bands like Wilco, they went independent. Why? They could have spent the machine, but they didn't like it because they yeah. like to go wherever they want. You know, like a band like Radiohead, so experimental. And once in a while, yeah. they'll have a song like Creep. Creep. But most of their stuff is not digestible by the market, right? They they do what they want, and but they're still popular. They, yeah, they're super popular, but they're not like at the top ten. You know, they they, they it doesn't have to a, be. You know, yeah, yeah. You can get a crowd. You can be in the industry. You don't have to be in the top twenty. Yeah, you you, can, you really don't. You can you be can a C list DJ, yeah. you know, and still do well, really well. Yeah, because you're just gonna get out there and get a following. You're like to me, if you yeah. get a live following like what you're trying to build in cities. Mm-hmm. That's the way, you know, the way people used to do, like you think about the old scenes, like CBGBs yeah, or the Whiskey A Go-Go. There are certain scenes like in America that were iconic, you know, the yeah. Asbury scene, because all those bands went to that scene and they kind of built up a reputation and then they were able to come out from there. Like yeah. the Talking Heads were at CBGBs and then they blew up and they got worldwide. But they were in that scene, you know, with Patty Smith and uh, Blondie and all those guys. And they built this kind of new wave scene. And it was mm-hmm. very diverse. You know, like Patty Smith was a poet. And yeah. then you had the Talking Heads, like very oddball, not not what anybody else was doing. And so it was, it seemed like it was more acceptable in those times to allow something like a Talking Heads and a Blondie to be in the same place. And now mm-hmm. people want, cookie cutter all the way and it was that was very diverse and that's why i'm always kind of pointing out to people like you don't remember when you had like bands that were totally different in the same space you can't remember that (laughs) you know um but i i I digress but so are you um working on any collaborations with any other artists or just totally focused on your own sound um Right now, I'm only working on my own stuff just because 
I haven't, um, I've, I've had actually proposals for collaborations, but I didn't have enough time to take on the challenge. Mm -hmm. I do want to send some of my work in progress sounds like clips and stuff to certain artists and mm -hmm. ask them if they want to finish it or like, you know, collaborate by like I started and then you finish and then well, let's see what happens. But um, which would be really good for marketing as well, you know? Yeah. Um, so I do want to do one collaboration with one particular artist if I can get to him. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I started something with a similar sound to his by, well, it's not, you know, it, if you really look closely and if you, you know, know him well, then you can kind you of can feel where I got the inspiration, but it's not super direct. Yeah. Like only maybe in the percussions, like how detailed. Yeah, the it's like influenced. Are, yeah, you can have like a sound that's like influenced by somebody, but it's not a clone. Like yeah. I always, I always point out, like you can have an influenced sound that's not exactly that sound, but it can show you were inspired by it. Like, like I could get really into the Velvets, the Velvet Underground, and do a Lou mm -hmm. Reed kind of Velvet Underground and Nico era type of sound, but I'm not cloning it. I'm just inspired by that sound. So I'll do something like waiting for the man type of sound, but it's not exactly note for note what that is. It's in the vein. It's in the, in the, in the area. So I think that, that that's part of being a musician is like we pull our influences. And I think it's like subconscious or do you think it's direct? Like, do you just like something and then you subconsciously do it and then you listen to it? It's like, Oh wow. I actually pulled something here because I like this and it ends up showing up in your music, but it wasn't like a conscious decision. You kind of just fell into it or do you think you directed it? It's, it's a mix of different situations. So sometimes it's like the last thing you mentioned. And for example, for the last uh, work in progress that I started, it was kind of like I got inspired first. Like I, I heard a brand new release from an artist that I really like. And I, wanted I was I, I was thinking I wish I could create something like that and then I mm -hmm. got kind of inspired let's say by a muse you know when you have some yeah. close friends or family or a partner that makes you like gives you a particularly positive day it uh, doesn't matter who it is you know like I said it can be anybody who is in your life um, mm -hmm. th that kind of inspired me as well I just suddenly got the idea for the song for the lyrics and for the melody. And then as I sat down, I was thinking, okay, you know what? I wanna, I actually have an idea. Um, you know, I found that I created a sound in the pads that kind of pushed me or reminded me of the artist I was originally inspired by. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of, you know, the ball got rolling from there and yeah. Well, I find it's like my influences kind of come from all over the place. I mean, I, I've had situations where it's kind of like, oh, I wrote the lyrics on a napkin, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of like a lot of song recitals. Oh, I wrote it on a napkin. I wrote it on a book. Or, you know, lately people would say, oh, I'm in, a, I'm on my phone and I put a voice memo down. Yeah, yeah. I, I mostly make voice memos or notes, you know. Yeah, and then you know, a lot of times with my stuff because I've got these these old analog sense. Mm -hmm. What I've learned to do is instead of trying to tame them and force them to do something that I think I want to do, 
I like mm-hmm. turn them on and then I, I, I experiment. I kind of let them tell me something. Cause I, one thing I love about my analog synth is they kind of talk back to you yeah. and they go in directions you didn't expect. And instead of trying to tame it, I actually, okay, it's my Moog is telling me this today and I'm actually going to go with it and just go with the way, the way it's going and actually write based on some random thing it's doing. And like, I'll just take it and run with it. And I, I, I find that that's kind of like, like a poet listening to the muse and out of the universe, my instruments kind of talk to me and then I think, Oh, I'm going to hear, I'm actually going to listen to what it's saying and then go with it. <laughs> so I don't know if you ever feel like that, like when you're well, working on something. It's, it's again, it's very mixed. Sometimes I just feel like I want to make anything. And then I open my software and scroll through the presets of some synth or like just select random wave shapes and then mm-hmm. suddenly I find that, like I, I find through the these like re, let's say research methods or exploration methods, I found find some interesting sound and build a song around it. Or I do I have situations more lately where I have like a very specific track in mind. I already kind of have the whole drop in loop in my head, you know. Yeah. And I'm I sit down and I try to replicate the sound exactly as I hear it and 90% of the it's like 90% accurate like 85 90% accurate that's, yeah that's what I think good I, enough I, for me I've talked to a lot of songwriters that that have that kind of thing happen like you have the happy accident that comes out of nowhere mm-hmm. and then you have I have had whole songs just come to me yeah and then I wake up and then I have my bedroom studio and I go run to my piano and I start putting it down what I heard in my head and I like I just put my multi track on and I just start playing because it's like right in my head and it's like the whole thing like I know what I, it just came to me out of nowhere and it's like the whole thing and I'm like wow that's weird but that sometimes that happens you know I think yeah. it, I think it's because over time as you get better there's like all these ideas just rolling around in your head and then sometimes they collide and become one thing and just I think as a musician we just have to know when to pick it pick it up. And when to kind of hear it, I think it just, as a creative person, it just comes to you and then you know mm-hmm. how to deal with it. I mean, do you feel like that as a creative person? I think like, that's what you're, you, why you're a creative person. Cause you, you do have these things happen. Yeah. I feel like I have a lot of, let's say, since I'm also like making art and everything, a lot of stuff just comes into my mind somehow through dreams or daydreaming or just like randomly when I'm sitting at home or at work or something. Uh, and then I feel a, like a real need to put it down somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if it's a drawing, I, I will start sketching right away just so I don't forget the concept. And if it's music, I will just quickly and dirty just push out right, yeah. a basic melody and or a vocal And um, unfortunately, it's not always possible. I have like 20 song loops come into my head per day. And you're not always in in the setting where where you're capable of putting it down. So I think I actually managed to put stuff down maybe three to four times a week. Well, the vocal, like vocal loops that I have on my phone, it's, there's like 500 of them. Yeah, because you can, your, your phone's always with you. Yeah. But if I have a melody, unfortunately, that one escapes me unless I I can get to my laptop right away. 
have to get to the board. Yeah, you have to get to the machine. That's like like me on my piano. Like like yeah, I, get to with my, the keyboard. Yeah. You know, my Roland or something. Like if I want, mm -hmm. I actually got to get to that. But then I got this little tiny device. Like, I don't know. I got a um, teenage engineering little OP set. Ah, OP, OP. Oh, I love those. I love those. Yeah. Like, so the great thing about this thing is I can, I just keep it in my backpack. Yeah. And, and if I get an idea, I got the headphones and I just do it. And I have, this has, has captured so many yeah. things that I wouldn't be able to capture. Because it's so freaking small, but it does mm -hmm. a lot. It can do. It does. It can put. That, I actually built. I built a whole album because mm -hmm. I wanted to see if I could. And, you, and you I can. Actually, when, yeah. I, when I first bought it, I just I'm going to do a whole record just using this, and I and I did, and it was like, and it was really fun because it's like so easy once you learn the workflow on it. I was like, wow. I mean, I wish I had an OP one, but they're crazy priced. But um, yeah, but it's like OP one and a half thousand, right? Yeah, it went to like two grand now. Um, <gasps> oh, the new version of it's like two grand, and I'm like, this was way lower than that. But, but I was just like very happy to to get it because it's just so quick when you want yeah. to do beats. I mean, you can sample, you can sample anything. Yeah, you, can, you know, you can just grab stuff out in nature. One time, I just took a walk with it. And we're grabbing bird sounds and grabbing like water sounds. And I was just like, oh, this is fantastic. I can just, like, I can, and I can use it, you know, and I can MIDI it and bring it back into my stuff. And it was this, uh, I just think it's a cool tool when you have something that small that is that usable. Because, you know, I think the creative process that we were getting into that, you know, it comes as dreams. It's like the muse that you kind of just pick it up. Um, but then there's songs like that are, I don't know, there's like songs I've had problems where I'm like I really am trying to compose it. I'm actually like on the paper trying to mm -hmm. do it and plan it. And it takes like six months because I'm trying to make it into some big epic. And it's like, and then the next day I have something that comes out so much easier. And yeah. I said, well, why did yeah. I do that? <laughs> <laughs> the, the song that came out without any trouble actually was more exciting and it was better so i was like why did i spend all that time trying to do this other thing <laughs> but, i know but uh yeah you kind of got to live with it as you get older i find that like the, the stuff i have to torture myself over so I, I let it go <laughs> yeah but um so so in terms of um like the whole process of of the music business today which we were kind of getting at um, what do you think about like streaming, streaming versus having, you know, somebody buy a CD or buy vinyl or buy a tape? The, what do you think of like the pros and cons that, that exist now that we have this kind of different world to get our music out? I mean, what's very widely known, obviously, is that streaming doesn't pay nearly as good as vinyl or records. Uh, it's still a saving grace that some DJs like buying vinyl for vinyl specific sets. So I do want to try and release vinyl versions of my work as well for mm -hmm. the additional profit. Um, but, you know, before you would be able to make much more money on physical sales. Now you're able to make much more money touring. It's kind of just replaced each other or switched spots, you know? So 
even though you know i think getting hurt was always the most important part because mm -hmm. once you have a fan base it's easy to monetize merch uh, yeah, shows yeah. Yeah, the merch i think that's the kind Patreon. of always, yeah that i think patreon those things are really cool but the thing yeah. that's always been disappointing to me is i'll go play in new <clears> york <throat> right <clears throat> and i can make more money selling 100 t-shirts Yeah, I can't mm. on Spotify for months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but Spotify is the, the 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 you know the value of streaming is that it gets you gigs. Well, it gets the people that showed up to the gig and then they bought the shirt. Yeah. But it's just the fact that the music can't make the money that the shirt makes the money. I guess the music caused you to buy the shirt. And so yeah, it's all stemming from yeah the fact yeah. that you are a musician. So yeah. I wouldn't think of it in the way you are thinking. Yeah, I guess you know? I, I just remember the day when your album actually could bring you the money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, the it vinyl, wasn't that it, long ago. It was like 2003 still yeah, when you could yeah. make some money. Yeah, but I think vinyl was really cool as an artist because yeah. if you're into art and painting and drawing, then your full vision Yeah, it vinyl, can be expressed. Yeah, vinyl can show, like, allows you to do lyrics. You have a poster. You can have all this art in the front, in the front, in the back. So it becomes an experience. I think it's there in the back of vinyl. The thing that they like is as a child of the 70s, that's what I did. That's what I consumed. And the mm -hmm. way I learned music was everything came as an album. So I listened to the whole thing because you didn't mm -hmm. skip around. Like so, yeah. The one benefit of that was like if somebody gave me a record, I actually listened to A and B side because you kind of mm -hmm. did. Um, and so now today, the one thing about streaming is you can skip around. So sometimes yeah. you don't ever listen to an artist's full vision, which I think is missing out. I would tell kids today, I think you miss out if you don't listen to the complete work of an artist that you like. You should actually try to listen to their complete work. Because if you don't, you're not getting a full vision of who they are. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I guess when you're the kind of work you do is like longer form when you go to do a show. So people do to get to hear more of what you do. Yeah, the show. That's why I say the shows are so important. You know? Yeah, because then people actually get a full vision of what you sound like. It's not just one song. Yeah, you can tell a story. You can make a yeah. storyline. Is that what you like? Is you like? Do you like to plan out your set to have a theme? So far, I've done that, but I think I'm not going to be doing that as much if I'm playing more often, um, but just kind of improvise in the moment and just pick songs with a certain energy on the spot. Mm -hmm. But you had tried to do like thematic stuff, but was it, was it getting too difficult or, or was it that uh, you thought it, it did? It takes more time. Mm-hmm. So that's that's I think it's cool to actually uh you know to ask people about different different approaches like that. So that's interesting. Yeah, I think like I like the jam band style. I would say they mm -hmm. would equate to what I do is like I could go out with a like a set concept and I have like concept because I'm kind of that kind of person. But a lot of times I like to just go out and do a jam. And I, so I could actually go through a concept record I wrote and go song by song mm -hmm. in order and tell the story. Or I could just jump around my catalog and just jam out and do different versions. And sometimes lately I've been just going and, and kind of jamming and just mixing and matching and randomly doing stuff compared to actually running through a full 
concept. So I kind of get what you're saying. Exactly. I mean, uh, but in, in general, it's just when you're playing so often, you really don't even have time to prepare that much anymore. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. If you start gigging a lot, you kind of you got to build a set list that you can control and know what's going to work. But I guess yeah, the exactly. way you guys do it, do it, it's like it's not like a rock band that has like a set list. Right. You, you could be a little bit more dynamic. It depends. I mean, whether you're live performing, you know, playing since live or just DJing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you ever do a, like a combination of DJing with live playing kind of hybrid? Well, so far I've either done completely live performance, which takes out a lot of energy or just DJing, but I do want to simplify my live performance and strip it down to DJing with like a drum pad and mm -hmm. maybe a smaller keyboard and that's it. Yeah. Cause I actually invested in like an Akai force, which is like an MPC. And yeah. if I, if I go on the road, I just bring that with like a Roland boutique. So I have a little like mini synth that has a little keyboard and then I've got the pads and I can clip, you know, launch clips, but I yeah. can also play the pads. So yeah. I could have a set arrangement and just go with it. Or I could actually take the original eight rows of clips and then throw it around. So, so I could either play it straight or like, I don't feel like playing it straight. So I'm going to change the order of the whole song by rearranging the clips, you know, yeah. and it's kind of like, I, I could either do it one way. I can play it straight. If everybody wants to hear it, if I have a hit and somebody wants to hear that song, I'll just let it go and maybe unmute something and then play mm -hmm. something live mm -hmm. over the unmuted track, mm -hmm. you know? And then, so you could have your whole arrangement and then you leave the lead synth line open so you could yeah. play that live. Or, or you exactly, actually get yeah. you're funny and you actually get rid of the drum and you play the drum live. <laughs> yeah, you can just <laughs> make more, a choice yourself. Yeah, you just make the choice of which night, what which thing are you going to unmute and then play live to, mm -hmm. and then at least you're playing live on some of your tracks and you're not just letting yeah. it run. Do you, it's more interesting you, and spontaneous, and and also you you get a different, slightly different result every time, even if you're trying to make it sound the same like the original but you you never will and i well, don't I, even, I, I don't try anymore you know i just let, let it <laughs> do you think the fans appreciate when you solo or make it a little different do you find that they they appreciate it more if you deviate from the original song or do they want it to be closer to what you originally wrote uh the thing is, so far, I haven't really uh, performed live in front of large uh, groups of people. I've only performed in galleries. Okay. And in it's kind of, in galleries, it's like very culture-oriented people who are very mannered. So they oh, so refrain can't, can't. from reacting too much un until you finish. But then everybody gets like a big standing ovation once you're done. Is that difficult? Because I know a lot of rock musicians have told me one thing about the COVID thing was like rock bands <clears> had <throat> a hard time doing online shows because they kind of live off the feedback with the audience. Right. And so I haven't done that, online shows, so I'm not, um, but I. Oh. Uh, mm -hmm. your mic went up. Yeah. Yes. Can you hear me now? 
Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to say that I do feel like um, I haven't had performances online during Corona, but I know even when I'm just talking in Zoom, when I'm presenting, for example, if I was in a meeting or something and everybody mutes themselves, it's really awkward and uncomfortable because you really don't know what people are thinking the, and yeah, don't, you don't see their is. face. Yeah. Yeah. The feedback. I, that, I think that has um, been a really hard thing, but I found a way to live perform. And the only way I can describe it is because I'm using so many keyboards and stuff. I kind of get into a zone. Yeah. And I think if you live perform on the net, the one thing you have to do, because you can't get the audience feedback, you're you to, look, looking down like into yeah. your sense. You have to kind of get into your song so much that you get so into your own song that you are, you translate the excitement to the crowd. Yeah. Right? So you have to kind of be high on yourself and, yeah. and high on your own music and be really confident that you're doing, and you just kind of get lost in it. And then the, the, the feedback is because they, they, people will see you're so into it, then they get into it and then they like it. It, it, it's different than when you play like in New York in front of a crowd and you got 500 people giving you energy back and then you play based on that. You know, I think a lot of musicians, we all kind of feed off the crowd. But when you can't, the only way to solve it is to kind of be a high on yourself and do it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Which some people might have a hard time doing that because maybe they don't have the personality to do it. So they can't get into it and it feels like false to them. So they can't, they can't feel it. But I don't know. Yeah, it depends from person to person. But for me, I'm just, you know, grateful to be playing and it doesn't matter. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Like that crowd is like, it's so polite. It's kind of I heard in Japan. I lived in Tokyo for two years. It's like you could play and you have no idea if they're digging it or not. And you're <laughs> like, well, I don't really know if these guys are digging it. They, they, they can kind of affect your performance if you're not, you start yeah. getting hesitant, right? Because you're hesitant because you don't know if going over right i can't tell and then at the end like oh they all go like it's great i'm like would have been nice if i knew that like five minutes ago (laughs) but um but that's that's what it is is that you saw certain cultures are just not into immediate gratification it's like they're told to be polite and wait to the end um yeah which is harder for musicians that feed on that (laughs) um but I think it's a really great to have you on the show. We we wanted you for a while, and we're happy that you're <laughs> actually you're out there. You're 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 getting more confident in your work, and you you look like you're really progressing. Where you actually had you know opportunities to connect with people, and you're yeah. We'd love to see like um, more of your work as you release it, and when you get you know something that you want to uh, show us, if you get you know like another project or something, we always bring our artists back. So anytime you have something that's really cool that you want to like shout out and, and push, uh, feel free to have us as a platform to be part of your kind of marketing plan. <laughs> Thank you very much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Oh, your mic. I think your mic went out again. I, I said uh, thank you very much for the opportunity and that I very much appreciate it, you know. Well, everybody, uh, make sure you click on uh, her Instagram and check her out everywhere that she is. We've got we're gonna have the hyperlinks in the bio um, where you can find her music uh, on the different platforms that she gave us. 
And uh, we will be on Spotify within an hour with the same broadcast, and we'll send you uh, the links so you can share it with your fans. We also ask people, if you've liked this podcast, please subscribe to our YouTube channel so that we can support talking to indie and emerging artists all over the world. That would be cool. It's Fan Electric Ghost on YouTube. And thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Well, have a good day or night. I always forget what time it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here is night. Have a great day. I'll see you.